listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. And um, we go way back. We used to do construction work together, and we just, we just experienced a lot of really amazing things. And he and his wife, Jennifer, just moved back into the area. They've been uh, in full-time ministry pastoring down in the Fresno area for many years, and they've just come back into this area recently and we've been trying to reconnect and spend some time together. And he had his uh, schedule open tonight. I mean, he's a busy guy. So getting him to here tonight was a big deal. It was really hard. I mean, my people had to talk to his people extensively to make this happen. And so I want you guys to open your hearts up to what Paul has to say. But more than anything, open your hearts up to what God has to say to you tonight. Because we have been talking for the last month and a half to two months here about this concept of unity. And what does God have in his heart for the world around us that we see? A world that is, I don't have to explain it to you guys. You know where you come from. You know the world that you live in. You know the brokenness and the abuse and the addiction and everything else that goes with it. We're all familiar with the dark place that we live. But we've been talking about this concept of God truly bringing unity to the church here in the world so that he can display himself, that he can put his true self and love on display. And so Paul is going to talk tonight about something that is all about bringing people together. So before Paul comes, we want to show you guys a video that's going to introduce him, and then Paul is going to come. So would you open up your hearts as we watch this together? Roll it. Hey, my name is Paul Garza. Most of my friends and family know me as Paul Wilcox, and this is my story. I was raised in a really good Christian home. My dad actually was a pastor, a loving man. My mom loved me. I have three brothers. We just had a really good family. But it wasn't until the age of 12 that I found out a family secret that forever changed my life. You see, I was playing with my cousin and he revealed to me that my stepdad wasn't actually my dad. I found out that I had a biological father that I've never met, and that forever changed my life. For the next 14 years, I ignored it. I ignored the fact that my stepdad, who raised me since the age of two, was not my biological father. It wasn't until I got married that I got the courage to go and seek him out. I wanted to know, really, who I was. That's the sound that my dad heard every night as he cry- cried himself to sleep. That train sound in the distance is what he heard as we were leaving Texas. But it wasn't until several years later that God brought us back together, he reconciled us, and that was the first sound he heard when my brother Jesse and I got back and we were reunited with my father for the first time. Uh, those are two herons. And What's interesting about it is that my last name is Garza, and in English, Garza means herons. So, um, some people don't know it, but I have a twin brother as well, so this story is more about 
how not just about how I reconciled with my dad, but also how I helped my twin brother become reconciled with my dad. So at the age of 24, I was able to meet my father for the first time. I was always wondering how he would look, and this was the first time I've ever I was able to see him and meet him face to face. It was a difficult time for me, but it was exciting. My wife and I had prayed that one day we'd be able to meet him again. This meeting began a long-distance relationship that I only dreamed of. And over the course of 11 years, I was able to talk to my dad about forgiveness, healing, and what God wanted to do in his life. Uh, at first, he wasn't response, re responding to what God wanted to do in his life. But then, after talking to him, he soon decided to accept Jesus Christ in his life. He changed, he stopped drinking, stopped smoking, and became a pastor that reached out to thousands of people in San Antonio. Today, he's serving God and has a Spanish ministry. He's singing with his wife, and her kids and my cousins are now saved because of this. of those is when you did it because the person that Jesus was talking to had no idea that he had actually ministered to the King of Kings and uh, so he said when you went and clothed me when you went to visit me in the prison uh, he said that you did it unto me and that's I think that's really my heart is uh, to minister to people that are um, needing hope um, in Spanish it's esperanza and uh, going out to people and giving them hope. I mean, just if we can just give them a cup of water, you're doing it unto the Lord. I will wait for you there. Wow. Jason, you did a great job on that video. Um, didn't realize I had that many gray hairs. <laughs> you don't realize it until you see yourself on there. But uh, boy, time has just flown by. Um, like Jason had mentioned earlier, I was uh, one of the first youth pastors here at Zion Christian Fellowship after they moved from uh, their church from Stockton to Lodi. Uh, pastor Dick Patterson and Edie Patterson are just wonderful people. And um, actually, I had an opportunity to uh, work underneath Pastor Boyd Patterson. Some of you guys may remember him. And uh, Jeff McCachran. Uh, the, the really cool thing about it was that uh, coming to this church, I had no idea at the age of 19 what God had in store for me. Uh, Boyd Patterson was the one that had invited me to come up and to help him do construction. And uh, I told Boyd Patterson, uh, which is uh, Dick Patterson's uh, nephew, I said, you know what, I can't go do construction. I'm, I want to I go, go to Bible college. I, I have a call in my life. I don't want to do construction. But little did I know that God had a big plan uh, in store. He wanted me to uh, become a man of God. He didn't just want me to go into Bible college and come out with a BA. He wanted me to come out with a, a purpose and a destiny. And that's what I wanna, really want to talk to you about tonight is how, how God does that because it's, it's only by the grace of God that we are here tonight. 
There's some of you here tonight, uh, you don't realize that you are in the right place at the right time. Just like Jason was saying earlier, God really wants to use you to turn a city upside down. You see, uh, as a youth pastor, uh, my wife and I have touched hundreds of people. Matter of fact, last year we, we were at um, Hanford Church. Uh, it's, it's right on the outskirts of, of uh, Fresno. And we were uh, ministering to probably about 250 youth, okay? Um, I only say that because of the fact that we started with 20 in our youth group and it grew to 250. And we were there for about two and a half years. Not so much interested in numbers, but I am interested in people. Amen? And, and when you see God do a work in people's lives that you have no idea who they are and what their background is and what, their, uh, what God's planning for their lives, it's, it's just incredible to be a part of that. And so to be a part of Jason's life and, and his cousin's life, uh, Josh and Brant and, and um, um, Matthew Keeling and, and the whole group that was here while I was being the youth pastor, and to see what God has done in these guys. You guys probably know them better than I do now, but uh, when, we're, when, when I was a youth pastor, they were growing up. I was living actually right here in this back uh, room, the apartment. I understand you guys have the apartment still running. And I was so blessed because uh, they, the pastors told me that, you know, we want you to come down and be our pastor here. Uh, we don't have money to give you, but we'll give you room and board and we'll help you go to college. And I said, you know what? That's a blessing because there was no way I was going to, to be able to do both. I wouldn't be able to support myself and, and go to Bible college. And so I'm really grateful. The only thing I wasn't grateful for was that when I was trying to sleep during the morning or sometimes at night, Jason and the youth band, the people that were in the youth group would get on the drums, they would get on the bass, and they would just jam. These guys are just, the music is ingrained in these guys. You guys have a really good worship team. I just want to give you guys a hand for that. You guys are awesome. But these little rascals, I call them rascals, they were really brats, okay? These, these brats, they would come up here, and they knew I was trying to sleep in there. They would just crank it up. I mean, these walls have heard a lot of awesome praise and worship. Uh, but to see what God is doing in their life is, is awesome. To see that you guys have a, a great pastor, a uh, great pastor's wife. Um, matter of fact, Shauna is sick tonight. I was told by Jason. And so before we get started, I want to say a, a quick prayer for Shauna. So if you just bow your head. Close your eyes. We're going to say a prayer for her, uh, her and Jason's family, and then we'll get right into the message. Lord, we just praise you. We glorify you, God, for tonight. We thank you for what you're doing. Lord, this is just a uh, wonderful opportunity to be in your house. Just like David said, Lord, uh, I'd rather be found in your temple. There's no other place in this world that I would rather be than in your house. Lord, we thank you for bringing us all here tonight. We pray for Shauna that you would, you would just heal her tonight, Lord, from this, uh, this stomach flu, Lord, and, and for Jason's kids as well, Lord. Lord, we ask for your protection around his kids and his family. Lord, I know the enemy would want to just stir things up and, and keep people down. And so, Lord, we just come against Satan who'd be doing that, Lord. And uh, he has no right and he has no authority. So we ask for healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Be with us in the remaining part of the service. In your wonderful name, amen. Amen. The last time I was here was when uh, Norman, Azell, uh, Norman Azell's funeral was. How many people came to the, the funeral? Are you know Norman? Norman is just a wonderful man. 
Uh, yeah, come on, let's go for Norman. I came out to, to just to pay my respects, but also to celebrate. We had a really awesome time to celebrate Norman and uh, just, to, just to give God glory for everything he was doing in, in his life and in the park and in the city. Just uh, a, an amazing man. Um, actually, he's my wife's relative. Um, I want to introduce my wife to you, Jennifer, if you could just stand up. My lovely wife. Jennifer and I have been together for 18 years, isn't that right? But I met Jennifer here in this church uh, at the age of 14. You were going on 15, and uh, which is a kind of awesome thing. I mean, most people, and you know, some people have to go online and look for their mate, and some people hopefully don't go to bars to look for somebody or singles clubs. But uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to come to an awesome church, meet a whole bunch of awesome people, and then a wonderful, beautiful wife. I had no idea what God had planned for me. I just wanted to keep on saying that. I had no idea God was about to change my life when I moved to Lodi. Now we're back, and I kind of feel like we're stuck in Lodi. You know what I'm saying? That song, Stuck in Lodi Again. Um, but we're actually in Murata. We're living a little bit closer to Stockton. And so uh, we believe that God has a plan for our life. God is bringing us back for a certain purpose and a work. And so I told Jason I would come out and, and just... Uh, be a part of this ministry and wherever he needs me as far as if he needs me to go out and, and, and you know, like I was telling him earlier, if he wants me to pass out water in, in the park or, you know, feed somebody or do counseling or maybe uh, teach a class, whatever you guys need, I, I want to be a, a part of what God's doing here because it's exciting. This is exciting. This is an exciting, exciting time to live in the time that we are, to see what God's going to do. He's going to do something incredible and uh, how many people believe that? God's getting ready to do something incredible. Amen? Come on. This, this church is, is just has so much history. Matter of fact, uh, when I was a youth pastor, we had the pink rug. I see you guys kept the pink rug. But the, all the walls were pink, too. I mean, it was like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It was like a fashion pink church. It was the most fashionable church in Lodi. You know, um, so I think... I think the women or the pastors, the women's group or the pastors were the ones uh, that picked out that color. Pastor uh, Edie was probably the one that picked out the color scheme. But I love the fact that you guys have the, the banners called Gravity, all the different churches that participate here. But I really think you should put outside a banner that says Cool Church, because this is a cool church. This is really a cool church. Amen? This is, God's doing something awesome here. And I literally mean cool, because... Before my wife and I came to church tonight, we were at home. It's getting really hot. How many people know it's hot outside? It's almost like 95 degrees. And our air condition died out. I mean, it just took a kaput. So we're sitting there trying to get ready. I already took a shower. She got her makeup on, got her hair done, and we're trying to get ready. And all of a sudden, the air condition go out. She says, you need to put some deodorant on. So that was kind of my, my reminder because of the fact that, that uh, I'm getting ready to preach and, uh, man, it was just so hot. So coming into the church is just wonderful um, uh, to be in such a cool place, literally. And then I want to say hi to uh, Zach and Diane. We had no idea that you guys were starting to come to this church. They're actually our neighbors that live in the same area, area that we live, but just around the corner. And their kids come go to the uh, same school, Davis, that our kids attend, which is really cool. We've gone out, seen them at baseball games. We had... Uh, lunch on the lawn during uh, some of the school stuff. And so their, their kids, Nate, Joseph, and Isaac, uh, Isaiah, are just wonderful. They're cute little guys. You guys seen them running around here? Cutest guys, man. 
the little blonde-headed kids, uh, the wonderful kids. But uh, just neat to see what God's doing. And I know you guys have been coming for a while. Uh, Diane, you were telling me earlier that you come, you've come when you were a child as well. So that is awesome, seeing what God's doing and how he's going to use you. Um, and God's getting ready to do a mighty thing. Um, I just, before I came to preach, I said, you know what? I don't know, Jason, if you want me to put on a suit and tie, but I never did as a youth pastor. Is it okay if I wear shorts and chonclas? Okay. Some people call these flip-flops, but if you're Mexican, you're Hispanic, these are chonclas. So, um, so, uh, Jason said, yeah, go ahead. I put on the shirt cause my, I went shopping with my daughter and she took me to forever 41 and she said, go ahead. Put, I mean, it was forever 21. But I told her, I said, I'm going to change it forever 41. I want to always be forever 41. I could not actually fit it to the shirt, this shirt last year. Isn't that true, Jennifer? And so this is the first time I get to preach in this shirt. I bought it in faith that I would lose weight, okay? And so um, I wanted to wear this, this shirt tonight um, because of the fact that my daughter said, Dad, if you're going to go preach, I don't want you looking like an old guy. Look like a, a cool y- young guy. So if you, it, okay, am I looking like a cool young guy? Okay. This says the Flamingo, the Pap says Flamingo Hotel and Casino. I've never been there. I just want to get, make sure everybody knows. I don't go gambling at the Flamingo. It's just a cool shirt, okay? So uh, anyways, God's, uh, God's got some things that, that he wants to talk to you guys tonight about, mainly fathers. Um, tomorrow we get to honor our fathers. But when we talk about fatherhood, sometimes, you know, I'm not sure how many people here are fathers, but... Sometimes when, you're, when you talk about Father's Day, it doesn't always bring up the best memories. I want to just be honest with you. Sometimes, you know, I know a lot of people that have been in homes where dad has not met up to your expectations. Uh, dad maybe was uh, there here, here and now, and maybe he wasn't there at all. Um, some people have had dads that have abused them, and some people have had dads that just, you know... Um, left their family and abandoned them. For me, as you saw in the video, that was my story. But when I came here to this church and I began to work with, uh, with Jeff McCachran, God began to heal me and do something in my life. Um, I came as a single guy, young man, and I was doing construction with uh, the McCachrans. And I really looked up to Jeff because of the fact that, yeah, this guy was an awesome guy building houses, taught me how to take a piece of wood and get a saw and saw in half without sawing off my fingers. I have my fingers. And uh, everybody on the job side looked up to Jeff McCachran. And this guy's a real McCoy. I mean, this, this guy, Jeff McCachran, not only, you know, preached on Wednesdays and Sundays, but he also lived it on a day-to-day basis. And that's what I like about uh, uh, Jason and, and his ministry. He's not just preaching on Sundays or Saturday nights or Wednesdays. Uh, he's living the life. And I'm so proud of the fact that I was able to be his youth pastor and see how God is using him. But these people really influenced my life. I'm just telling you the truth. While I was out there doing construction, I always dreamt about having a father like Jason. Matter of fact, Jason, I was always jealous of you because you had such a great family. Not only do you have good looks, okay, he also plays guitar. Not only does he play guitar, he has a good voice. Beautiful wife, beautiful family, but he also comes from a great family. And just so jealous of that, that, you know what? This is a perfect ideal family serving God. 
Not only do you have a, a, a dad that's serving God, but your grandfather's serving God and your grandmother. And I've always wanted that. So that's what I had, uh, de- that's what I was determined to do is to get married, find a beautiful wife, go into ministry and be like Jeff McCacker and be a, a type of person that actually ministers to others from their heart to, je- to show compassion to people. I remember Jeff pulling over uh, his truck on the side of the road and getting out his cell phone when the cell phones were like this big, right? He was like, and the cord was all connected to a box and he would be talking to people and he would have to put down his cell phone to, to pray with somebody and say, well, I'll call you back. I, I've got somebody here I need to talk to. And he would go over and do marriage counseling or he would go and pray with somebody, lay hands on someone. And that's the type of man I wanted to be. But um, I knew that in order to do that, I would have to become not only a, a great man of God, but also a good husband and a good father. For me, growing up, I never really uh, knew my biological father. I had no idea who he was, but I did have a good stepfather. So I want to let you guys know about that. I did have a good stepfather who was a pastor. Um, he, a wonderful man, went to uh, Life Bible College down in Southern California. He actually worked with Jack Hayford. I'm not sure if you know who Pastor Jack Hayford is. Uh, my dad uh, helped, helped plant some church in Indiana, and he got married to my mom. And my mom had a story that he shared with her, with him, I should say, saying, letting him know that, hey, I was once married to a, a person in my younger age, and we got a divorce, and I want you to, to uh, help me raise my kids. And if it wasn't for my dad, Daryl Wilcox, literally I would not be the person I am today. And uh, I want to share with you more of that story. But first, we're going to look at a video. If uh, Nick can get that ready, um, we're going to look at a video. This is what it's kind of like when I went out to seek after my biological dad. All right, uh, let's get it over with. I walked all day and night to find you. You look like you came from the North Pole. That's exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. You did? So, go on. Go on with what? Well, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, Yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Um, I'm I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. (laughs) And um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Wow. That was weird. You know, usually guys just, uh, you know, put my name in the jingle bells or something. It's me, your son. Susan Wells had me, and, and she didn't tell you, and, 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 but now I'm here. It's me, buddy. Susan Wells. You said Susan Wells? Yes. Who sent this Christmas gram? What's a Christmas gram? I want one. I think we should call security. Good idea. I like to whisper, too. Okay, I'm not sure if you've ever seen the movie Elf, but this is how I felt when I went to go look for my biological dad. I felt so out of place. 
How many people saw this movie, Elf? You know what I'm talking about? No, okay, a few. Okay. The guy goes from the South Pole to find his dad. Long story short, the guy's looking for his dad throughout New York, finally finds him and has to convince his dad that he's his biological father. For me, it was a little bit easier. Um, I shouldn't say easier, but the fact is, is that we, my wife and I were praying that God would help us to find my dad. So I had God actually orchestrating it, if I, should, if I could say it that way. It was uh, during the time that we were first married, my wife told me, said, you know what, I really want to really know more about your history, your heritage, your family from your biological side. And I said, you know what, honey, I've been, I've been wanting to know the same thing. I, I've, I've been wanting to know him all my life. Matter of fact, since the age of 12, I've been praying for my dad. You see, I got saved when I was seven. There was a school bus that came by our neighborhood. Um, my mom and dad put us on the bus. We went to Children's Church. And that's actually where I first got saved, at Children's Church. So for those people that work with children, you don't realize the impact that you're having on this kid's life until years later. But luckily for me, I got saved at an early age, and I began to pray for my dad. I said, you know what? There's going to be a time where I actually get to meet my dad. I want to, I want to find him. I want to just tell him I love him, and I want to get to meet him and be reunited. But what happened to me was, between 12 and 24, I literally stuffed those feelings down within my heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask my brother uh, Nick to go to Can I Imagine. But can you imagine not knowing who you really are? Because at the age of 12, I didn't know who I was. After my cousin had told me, he said, you know what? We were playing G.I. Joe's outside. And he goes, you know, that's not your real dad. And I said, what? I was shocked. He goes, yeah, you know, Daryl's not your real dad. And um. I, I, uh, I literally fell over backwards because of the fact that I, I was just stunned that's, that I would hear it from my cousin and not from my mom. And so at that time, I, I just kind of buried it. I didn't really feel comfortable talking to my mom because my dad, Daryl, was such a wonderful person anyways. I already had brothers. Why would I need to go out and find another dad? Uh, go ahead and, hit, and go to the next one, Nick, and then... But not knowing your real name, as you saw in the video, um, my name is Garza. Uh, my last name is Wilcox. And it was always hard for me because of the fact that when people look at me, they say, well, you're Mexican. How can you have a white name? Okay. And for a kid, that's like, that's like totally just uh, bizarre for someone to say that because I never realized I was Mexican because my dad was Wilcox. My brothers were Wilcox. And so I always thought I was Wilcox. Uh, but not knowing your real name, not knowing, go to the next one, not knowing if, if you belong. Um, at that time, I just felt like, you know what, was I adopted? I mean, this secret that I found out to my cousin was, is there more to the story? Um, you know, how did this happen? All these questions came up. Uh, the next one, not knowing if you're wanted are you, are, or if I belonged. I wasn't sure at that time as a kid that... Does my real dad, my stepdad, does he even want me? Did he just marry my mom because he, he wanted my mom and not really the two, ki- two kids, the twins? So there's a lot of emotions that, that I had to work through. And actually, as a child, I just put them and buried them and said, 
you know what? I don't really want to, I don't really want to get into all this. Um, so what would be to gain? What would be to gain if, if, uh, if I were to go out and seek after my dad? Because to, to go out to, to seek after him at, a, at, a, at an early age, you know, I don't have the finances to go and look for him. I can't just hop in a car and, and try to locate him. I can't, couldn't just get on the phone to, uh, to try to find him. But uh, what would be gained by someone who abandoned you? What would be gained by meeting someone who missed out on your entire childhood? And then the next one is, uh, will reuniting cause more rejection and pain? That was the question that I had. I said, I, I told myself as a child, it's like, I don't, I don't really want to know him because what if, there, what if he's a criminal or what if he's, you know, a murderer or a pervert or something like that? I don't really want to know, know him. And so I just kind of thought about it and said, uh, you know, if I did that, will, will it be a benefit to us or will, he, will I be accepted into his family? So all these, these feelings and emotions that they had to struggle, for, struggle with as a child. But what would be to gain... And uh, if you go to the next slide, in my heart, uh, I thought there may be some shame and regrets. But the next one is the embrace. The benefit would be, what would there to be to gain would be the embrace. Um, go to the next one, uh, Brother Nick. Uh, literally, as a kid, we have all, uh, we've all longed for our parents to hug us, to love us. I'm not, I'm not sure if... if uh, if some of you here tonight have had the same type of background, or maybe you were adopted, or maybe you didn't know your biological father as well, I think God wants to do a work in your heart tonight. He wants to not only bring healing, but get you ready to be reunited. He wants to get you ready to be reconciled. As we think about fathers, uh, a lot of us, you know, we have expectations that we put on our fathers. Um, For somebody like Jason, like I said earlier, had a wonderful father. My wife has a wonderful father. I'm fortunate enough to have a good father-in-law who loves me. You know, he's there for me when I have a flat tire. Let's borrow his truck tonight because I I had a nail in my tire. Um, You know, went out and helped me when I was stranded off the side of the road. My car broke down. Uh, Put his his arm around me uh, when when I was going through tough times. And... uh, Jennifer's dad, his name is Ken. He used to actually be uh, a board member here at this church when, when it was Zion. And he's, he's had a lot, of, a lot of impact in this church. And uh, just a, another mighty man of God. But a lot of us, we don't have that type of, uh, of connection to our dads. But the, the payoff, got everybody, for me was, if I were to find my dad, the only thing that was going through my mind is, I want that embrace. I want that hug. I want to know that it was love. You see, and God created us with two desires. All of us have this desire, and that is to love and to be loved. All of us have that desire in us. And really, God has put that in our heart so that we could, so we can reach out not only to others around us, but that is a God-given nature that God has given us He's given us that nature to, to love Him. He wants to be our Father. God wants to be your Father. So while I was growing up, even though I had a stepfather, I still had a void in my life. I'm not sure if anybody can relate to that, but there was an emptiness. There was a question there. There was like, I feel love for my stepfather, but I, I'm not really sure 
if, it, if my need is being met. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be reunited. And go to the next one. Reunited, restoration, reconciliation. Three powerful words that I believe... Where's Jason tonight? Are you in the back or upstairs? Okay, brother. I'm going to just speak this over the church. I really believe that God has these three words in mind when he thinks of gravity. There's a lot of different churches here in this town. Matter of fact, there's like five or six of them right here on the street, right? Um, there's actually three or four other churches that are meeting here in this building. There's a whole bunch of churches in Lodi. There's a lot of churches in Stockton. But I believe, and I'm just going to speak a word of prophecy over this church tonight. I believe that these three words are going to be in your DNA. And I know that you're already doing it, brother. I know you guys are doing a lot of this work. But I think that God has such a mighty plan for you that are here in these pews tonight. Not only is it going to be in Jason's heart, but hear, hear my heart. He wants to use you as a reconciler. You see, he wants to use you to help reconcile other people to the Lord. First of all, to the Lord, because God, our Heavenly Father, loves you so much. He's seen you when you're sleeping at night. He's seen you in your childhood. He's always had his hand of protection upon you. He's raised you. Can you imagine that? He's raised you. He literally raised me in his house. But God wants to use you as reconcilers. Matter of fact, in, um, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, let's turn there in our Bible. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16, it says that, uh, so, so from now on regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we were once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Not counting men's sins against them. God is giving this church a ministry of reconciliation. How many people believe that? Amen? God is wanting to raise you up to use your story to reconcile people to him. Number one. Number two, to reconcile people to others. There's a lot of hurt people in this community. There's a probably hundreds of people that can relate to my story that have never known their parents, their dad, or their mom. Maybe they've grown up in a, in a, in a rough neighborhood where they, they've never had a chance to come into church. Maybe they never were presented the gospel. And God wants to use you not only to bring reconciliation to them, but also to their families. Because as you saw in my video, as I was speaking, what is to gain was the fact that not only did I get that embrace from God, from God as I was growing up, but I also was able to get that embrace from my biological father. A dream come true. Literally a dream come true. Uh, I've been watching this show called The Locator, 
Anybody ever see that on, on Comcast? Anybody? The locator? If you, okay, if you haven't seen it, go online. You can actually look at some of the videos as well. Uh, go just type in the locator. If this is something that you're interested in and, and you say, you know what, I want to I be reconciled. After being reconciled to my father, Jennifer and I were going through the, uh, the, the uh, cable channels and trying to find something good to watch, right? I mean, I've got hundreds of channels, but nothing good to watch. So I was trying to go through that and we found the locator. And this guy, his job is to reunite families together. And these stories are so powerful. These stories about moms that are actually uh, have been on meth and drugs and alcohol who abandoned their children or her children and went off and was homeless. God went back and brought them together and reconciled that mom with her three children. I remember some of the episodes of when a father and son, just like my story, uh, they had been separated. The mom had separated from the dad and uh, the dad was in the Navy, and so he never came back to the home, and she went off and married someone else. But later, she ended up getting, having depression and committed suicide. So now this, this little boy doesn't know, doesn't have a mom and doesn't have a dad. And so on the, on the locator is just such a powerful examples of what God can do in people's lives. But how do we become reconciled? Some of you are saying, well, you know, uh, God, God wants to reconcile, but how, do we get, how are we supposed to go through that process? We can go to the next slide. Um, Matthew 5.24 says, Therefore, if you are at the altar offering your gift, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your offering at the altar and go and be reconciled first. Interesting scripture. It says, if you are at the altar, because I know you guys don't actually come to the altar and leave your tithes and offering up here, right? Isn't there a box in the back? Amen. Um, it's kind of interesting. I saw that on the video, the, the uh, announcement, because when I was coming here as a youth pastor, the same box was back there. So I recognized the box. I didn't give much offering, but it's still back there. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was uh, in college, and, and I was trying to uh, work my way through college, so I gave as, as I could. Amen? I gave out of my heart. That's really what God wanted me to do. And actually, Pastor Dick told me, he says, we actually should be paying you to be the youth pastor, so don't worry about the offering. But really, it's out of your heart, out of giving. But this scripture here, it says 524, Matthew 524 says, if, if you remember there's some, that there's something, somebody has wronged you or you have a problem with your brother or sister, or you need to be reconciled. I want you, rather, instead of thinking about coming to church and giving your, your offering, go, leave your, leave your offering at the church. Okay, make sure you, you don't take it with you. Leave it here at the church, but then go and be reconciled and then come back. So in other words, this scripture is saying that he doesn't just want your money. Believe me, the reason why he wants you here is to be, number one, reconciled to him and reconciled to others. It's more important, amen, to be reconciled to others and to make sure that you give love to people and give forgiveness to others. And that's really the key. And I want to look at that scripture that says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to the parents, 
or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Malachi 4.5. That's a really powerful verse. Matter of fact, it's, this verse is in the smallest book, I believe, in the Bible. If you don't know where Malachi is, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So it's real easy to turn there. Go to the Old Testament, look at the last book. It's about this big. There's four uh, chapters. Uh, excuse me, four verses. And that scripture right there is telling you before Jesus Christ comes back, his plan is to turn the hearts of the parents, or in the King James, if you have the King James Bible, it says to, her, to turn the hearts of the father to their children and the children to the father. God wants us to be reconciled to each other. He wants us to to make that a priority. It's so important to make it our goal and our passion to help people to become reconciled. You see, for me, as I was saying earlier, uh, what what was there to gain? If you can go to the next slide, my, my brother. My twin brother and I were separated from my father since age two. We said that. Go to the next one. We found my father at age 24. This is just a real quick uh, summary. He started a long-distance relationship over the, the 11 years, and I helped my twin brother reunite at the age of 40. And then, then one more, I believe. My father became a Christian and filled with the Holy Spirit and delivered from alcohol. So because of the fact that I was able to make the effort, thanks to my wife, she gave me the courage to do it, I was able to, to go and meet him for the first time. Right after we got married, we went to San Antonio, Texas. Um, I didn't know who or where I would find him. But right before we, we left to Texas, we went on this journey, a lot like Elf. Uh, I went through the phone book. Actually, I went through uh, 411 information. And um, I called information. And I said, I know... Um, the person I'm trying to look for, his name is Jesse Garza. That's my dad's name. And so I said, could you please give me all the Jesse Garzas in San Antonio, Texas? Guess what she said? Sir, there's about 250 Jesse Garzas that live in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Jesse Garza is a real popular name in, in the Hispanic families and culture, just like uh, Jose Martinez is, okay? But um, my name is very popular as well. And so I had to decide. I said... Okay, what am I going to do? Go through all 250 you know, names? And literally, I did. I tried going through each one. It was getting pretty expensive because at that time, they were charging us for every, every time you made an information call, I'd say, hello, uh, you're my dad, and I just want to get to know you. And I was trying to figure out how to tell this person on the other line, you know, like Elf. It was really kind of weird, you know, saying, talking to someone on the other end saying, my name's Paul. Garza, and uh, your name's Jesse Garza. By chance, are you my father? You know, that is weird, right? But I did. I just, I said, you know what? I really believe God wants me to do this. So I started dialing, and then I kind of gave up hope. I said, you know what? This has cost me a lot of money. There's got to be an easier way. So I went back to prayer. My wife said, you know what? We just need to go back to where you're born. We knew that your mom and dad got married in San Antonio, Texas, and there's a good chance that you're your family, your mom's side of the family may know your dad's side of the family. 
And so sure enough, we went there to visit my mom's side of the family, the Martinez family. A lot of uncles, a lot of aunts there. And so I began to ask them questions. And I was able to ask one of my uncles, I said, uh, you know, I'm here in San Antonio and I only have a week and I would like to do this one thing. It's been on my heart and mind. I would like to find my biological dad. He goes, you would? He goes, for so long, we've kept it as a secret because your mom did not want us to tell you where he was because as a child, she was afraid that he would actually go and take you from her. I was like, what? That's the secret. That's the family secret. My mom was always afraid that my actual biological dad would come looking for me and take me. So at that time, and I'm, I'm trying not to tear up, guys, but the, at that time, my uncle, he said, Paul, I'll, I'll take you to go find your biological father. Matter of fact, he lives just down the road. My biological father lived right down the road from my uncle. And one of my other uncles told me that, yeah, he's, he was my best friend growing up in high school. Your mom and dad met uh, when they were in high school. They were high school sweethearts, but they, they got married when they were young. He was 19. She was 16 and a half, going on 17. Um, they got married. Then they had you guys. Long story short, he got hurt in a construction job, fell off a ladder, got disabled, and he couldn't work, couldn't provide for the family. He started drinking. My mom couldn't stand it. He started hanging out with people that were just, you know, boozing it up and, and trying to forget about his pain and, and not being able to have any money coming in. He was just getting more and more into depression. And so he, um, he started going out and hanging out with other people. He got involved in, with another lady, another relationship that he had. And so my mom couldn't take it and took off. That's, that's the story. That's the whole secret. And that's, that was the reason why they had broken up. So I'm saying this to you guys tonight because the fact is that sometimes we don't know what the whole story is. And, and in my mind, I had this so many other questions and I waited for so long. That's the only regret I, I wish I would have found out was as I was growing up and as a teenager. But my uncle took me and he took me down the road. We, we started driving and, uh, as we were driving, he was saying, okay, look, that's where your grandfather lives, your biological grandfather, grandfather, grandmother. There's some of your uncles and aunts. And he started pointing out all these people. That, they look like me. And the whole time I was growing up, I was growing up as kind of like the oddball, like elf, because all my other brothers were lighter, color skin. And I'm not sure if you noticed, but I have almond-shaped eyes. Uh, my dad, Daryl Wilcox, my stepdad had green eyes, you know, just really neat looking guy. But I was the oddball. But when I went to go see my, my family and he started pointing out my family, I go, man, everybody here looks like me. And as I was getting close to my dad's house, that anticip- anticipation came into my heart. I thought, I wonder if I looked like my dad. I wonder what his face looks like. I wonder... If you'll accept me, I wonder if he's going to want to meet me or is he going to reject me or is he going to turn his back? And all these questions started to come into my mind. I'm thinking, I'm getting kind of cold feet here. I'm thinking about talk, telling my uncle, no, 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 stop, stop, turn the car around. I just want to go back home. I don't know if I want to go this far. He goes, well, we're going to pull over here. So he stepped up, stepped, uh, he pulled the car over to the side 
we stepped out. He goes, I want to show you your uncle's house because uh, this uncle actually is a Christian now. And my uncle, Martinez, was well, the one that led my biological uncle to the Lord. And he goes, I want, he's been praying for you guys. You don't know this, but he used to have a bar here in his house. And he closed it down and opened up a church. And he's been praying that you guys would come back to meet your biological father. So I had an uncle the whole time that was actually praying for me as well. And I met my, my uncle Arturo. And, and uh, when I, I met him, he came up and he embraced me and he loved me. And he said, he began to weep and said, this is something I've been praying for your dad, my brother. You've been praying for him that you guys would be reconciled. And so he says, I'm going to take you to him. So then that, so we got, uh, my uncle uh, Arturo went in his truck and my wife and I were just driving. We're just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. We just met an uncle who's saved. This can't be all that bad, right? And so we kept driving. And as we got to my dad's house, we knocked on the door. My, my uncle went to the door and his wife came out and they said something in Spanish. I don't know Spanish because I was raised in a white house. You know, a, a, a Caucasian family, you know, no, no, no Spanish. And so, uh, so as they began to talk, he came back out and he goes, oh, here, he put, he put his, his arm around me. He goes, mijo, come over here, mijo, which means son in Spanish. He goes, mijo, uh, your, your dad's not right there right now, but they're going to call him and he's going to come back out and he wants to meet with you. He's going to meet with you. The truth was that was that his wife knew that he was in the backyard and he was building a fence and doing some construction work doing some work in the backyard. And she knew that it was going to shock him, me being at his front door. So, so he, they sent us away. And then his wife, my, my stepmom now, went and told him and said, your sons are out there. But she, he didn't know that my twin brother wasn't with me. He says, you're going to go meet him. So, so my stepmom said, was the one that put courage in my biological dad's mind to go out there. And so my, my dad said, okay, tell him we're going to meet them but we're going to meet him at the swap meet. Now, I don't know why he said that, but he goes, we're going to meet there. We're going to go to the swap meet. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever been to the swap meet here in this area. Have you guys ever been to the swap meet? In Texas, it's huge. And there's a whole bunch of Hispanic people. San Antonio, like, it, the whole population is Hispanic. It's like 10% white, 90% Spanish. And so he says, going to meet me in the parking lot by a tree. Okay, so I've never seen my father before, right? I don't know what he looks like. So my uncle takes me to swap meet and goes, okay, he's going to meet you over there by the tree. And so I'm walking and looking around. I'm seeing all these people's faces. I go, no, that doesn't look like my dad. And I kept looking. Maybe that's my dad. Kind of looks like him. He could be my dad. And so finally I get to the tree and my little brother, my, my stepbrother, comes running up to me and says, look over there, turn around by the truck. There's your dad. And as I, saw, I turned around, there was my dad for the first time, you guys. I met my dad. He walked up to me, and he did exactly what was in that picture. He embraced me, and he loved me. And I've never felt God's love and that type of love in such a mighty way. I've been loved by people. I've been hugged by people. But at that point in time, it was like... I was actually being loved by God, our Father. It was a supernatural, spiritual thing where finally I felt whole. I felt complete. I felt like, yeah, 
This is what I've been searching for for my whole life. This is what I've been working for. This is what I wanted to do. So I just want to give praise to God right now. I want to give praise to, to Him because of what He's done for me and what He's done for our family. But it was right then at that time that God put us together. He reconciled us. And it wouldn't be for another 11 years of just talking on the phone and talking to him about God that he would actually be saved. Because he came from a Catholic background. He came from a Catholic background and not putting down the Catholic Church, but uh, he really did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He, uh, his mom always prayed, devout Catholic person, and I believe she did have a relationship with Christ, but she was praying for us. I found out that my, my grandfather and my grandmother had actually passed away. But he had told me, he said, your grandmother always prayed that you would come back to, me, to visit me, that you would be reunited with me. And so I was blessed by the fact that I had a chance to meet my dad. Now, for some of you, that may be possible. Maybe some of you are thinking it's too late. But I want to tell you, number one thing that has to happen before you actually become reconciled. And I'm going to do this in closing, okay? Because I know tomorrow is Father's Day and, and a lot of us want to get ready for that and you've got a barbecue to go to or maybe you're traveling out of town. But number one, before I can even go and visit my dad and, and take that step of courage, I had to forgive him without knowing all the details. And that's what I call unconditional. Um, if you can go, just keep on going. And go to the next slide. This is the picture uh, of some homeless people, but he actually helped save hundreds of people. And go to the next one. How is this possible? How do you become reconciled? Forgiveness. That right there, that's the key. If, if, if you don't remember anything else about my story, the fact is this. Without forgiveness, we cannot be reconciled. It's impossible, impossible to be reconciled if you don't bring forgiveness. And that means doing it unconditionally. Doing it unconditionally. You see, maybe some of us, our, our parents, our fathers have treated us bad. Maybe you had an abusive father. Maybe you've had a dad that abandoned you. Maybe you had a dad that slapped you or hit you or yelled at you or cussed at you or put you down. But the fact is, is that I had to ask God to place within my heart forgiveness. Because forgiveness is not just an emotion. You see, forgiveness is not just a feeling like, okay, well, today I feel like forgiving someone. Or I'm going to forgive my spouse because she said sorry. Or I'm going to forgive my, my mom because she came over to my house, she begged me to forgive her. No. Forgiveness has to come from God. And th what that means is forgiveness is a gift. It's something that we give to people. We have to pardon people. We have to, to give out uh, forgiveness like it's a gift. For example... During my son's birthday, I gave him a gift. It wasn't because he was good. It wasn't because he did anything to earn it. It wasn't anything that he did. It was because I wanted to celebrate his life, so I gave him a gift. The same way we need to give to our fathers and say, Dad, 
I love you and I forgive you. You might not be able to say that to his face. Maybe some of you guys can pull, get off the phone and say, God, Dad, I love you. And for you, it might be uncomfortable to say, I forgive you of the past. But that's what it took in order to have my dad get to know the Lord. You see, he had all that guilt. He had all, all that uh, shame. And he had all those mixed weird feelings within him. But really deep down inside of him, he wanted to know that I was going to forgive him. And I was able to reconcile my, my twin brother to him as well. But my twin brother didn't want anything to do with him. It wasn't until I was able to share the message of forgiveness with my brother, who was also a Christian, but he just didn't want to extend that forgiveness. It was too hard for him to forgive my dad for abandoning my mom and ban- abandoning us. And so my twin brother eventually came to a state of forgiveness. And I explained to him that, that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he extended forgiveness to us. We need to extend that to others. You see, many of you tonight, you're, you're, you're serving God. You're a Christian here tonight. And when you come to Christ, you ask God to forgive you. A lot of us come to Christ because we want God's forgiveness. And now it's time to, to give out, to extend our forgiveness to others. I want you to bow your heads and, and just, uh, I know the worship team's going to come in just a little while. But uh, I just want to say these few things while your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Without forgiveness, Christianity is nothing. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, he yelled out to the people that were actually mocking him and spitting on him and stabbing him with the spear. He yelled out to them, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. If you can remember that scripture, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. My father had no idea how much it would hurt me, how it would affect me, how his life, choices that he made as a young man, how that would impact me. And so I was able to extend that forgiveness. And I said, Father, in heaven, forgive my father because he knew not what he did. He, had, he, he, he was not saved. He had no idea what was going on, the choices that he was making. And I was able to extend that grace. I was able to extend that mercy. I'm going to turn it over back to Jason. And I know he's going to uh, want you guys to pray and stuff. But I just I want to thank you for letting me come and share this message with you. All the other details that I wanted to share tonight is I'm writing down in a book and the, the story about how God did a work in my life and the process that he took us to. And uh, eventually that will come out next year. I'll, I'm going to have a book on how to be reconciled. But I just want to thank you guys for letting me come in and pray with you guys tonight. Thanks, Paul. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com.